Welcome to the ReChurch Podcast. This is Tyler Armstrong, the student pastor at 12th Street Baptist Church in Rambosity, Alabama, with our lead pastor, Thomas Winborn. We are asking the question, how can we become the church that Jesus intended? What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? We are back with the ReChurch Podcast meeting here live in Tyler Armstrong's office on location, and I'm with the one and the only, the myth, the legend, Thomas Winborn himself. What's up, man? What's going on, brother? Dude, I've been doing good, man. How about you? Doing pretty good, man. It's been a really busy Monday. Yeah, dude, it's been a crazy Monday. Um, I've been trying to uh, get caught up on school most of the day. Yeah. December is screaming my name. Yeah, dude, I hear you, man. Getting I, ready to graduate is like part of the best part of being in school. It is, but it's also the worst part because I've been super lazy this semester. <laughs> Have you ever seen that picture of like it's like a it's like a really well drawn picture of a horse, and then it's like a kid like finished it. Oh yeah, dude, that's my seminary yeah. thing. So at the beginning, I was like, yes, I'm taking all my time. Now I'm just like. Yeah, like you know, and so <laughs> trying to get caught up. I've been, I've just been lazy, y'all. All right, so who have you been worshiping with, Thomas? Man, I've been on. Uh, so I'm, I'm not a terribly awesome fan of this guy because of his theological leanings or times or, or language that he uses. But um, this song "Heart Won't Stop," Justin put me on it, mm-hmm. and uh, it's really good. And I would love to see us do it at the church, even. Yeah, "Heart Won't Stop" by John Mark McMillan. Yeah, um, John Mark McMillan. I love him. Like, uh, the thing is, is that he kind of takes the, he's very creative, probably if I had to guess an Enneagram four, if I had to guess. Oh, I would definitely think so. Um, and so he takes some like creative liberties with some of the theological language that he uses. Kind of like the song Reckless Love. Like, you know oh, that. I hate that name of that song. I mean, uh, the song is actually mad decent. Yeah, except for the part about God's love being reckless. Reckless, you know, but I'm. <laughs> it's I, impossible I, for God to be reckless with his love. It is. Um, according to his character, it which is. he would not go against. That would make him cease to be the God of the Bible. Don't you like Prodigal God by Tim Keller? I do. He calls God's love, yeah, love reckless in he, that. He does, in exa- not in the same context. <laughs> not in the same context, but he does. Yeah, because, not in the because, same context. Because the father's love in that story was reckless. He he took off running and ran to the son. It was a reckless, it, from a human perspective, it was reckless. Yes, that is the idea. But now that song is not written in a way from a human perspective it's reckless. Say, it's saying it is reckless. Yes. Timothy Keller was making a point in the book. Yes. And yeah. so I, I'm just saying. I'm not a fan either, dude. I mean, I just called him out. Like, I mean, yeah. but anyway, we like John Mark McMillan. I love the book Prodigal God. Uh, oh, incredible yeah. book. Yeah. Highly recommend. Major changing book for me. Mm-hmm. Paradigm shifting. All yeah. right, for me, I've been listening to Cross the Sure and Steady Anchor by Matt Boswell and Matt Papa. Um, Very good, by the way. Oh, incredible Anything song. Anything they do is good. Yes, it's um, theologically sound. It's a hymn. Con- congregationally centered. Yes, yeah. um, written with that in purpose. And and this is the thing, like, so, like, when my dad died, like, I kind of came up with this idea for my anchor tattoo that I have, like, kind of, you know, going through some different things. It took me a couple years to really just arrive at this, but Hebrews uh, 619, I was about to get them mixed up, but Hebrews 619, uh, Christ is our anchor who has went behind the curtain for us. Um I love that imagery of Christ as an anchor, and I love the shape of an anchor, too. Like, you know, the top of it is a cross and all those things. And then I heard this song after I got my tattoo, and I was like, oh, man, I wish I'd have got that. Like, I'd have probably figured out a way to figure out some lyrics into that or something like that. But yeah, it's cool. I'm cut off, man. My wife said no more. So. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Yeah. She's the song that I can get. So maybe we can wear her down. Hmm. Seems heavy-handed. Oh, maybe. But she said I couldn't get this one. But, like, the thing no, was, she said, she said if you can keep the same idea. For a year, and I had this idea for like well, three that's years. What I always say, if you're gonna yeah. get one, wait for a year. Yeah, I I, ha- I have a couple more, 
but like I'm very glad I didn't get when I was 18. Like when I was in ministry, I almost got this one on my foot. Yeah, that was like dude. blessed or defeated those who preach the in good news. In college, all my fraternity brothers were getting like the letters on their ankle, and like now I think about that, and I'm like, man, I'm so glad I didn't do that. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't get one on my foot. Like do you, like yeah, dude, kind of feminine, yeah, yeah kind of feminine. Yeah, too. it leans that way. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> kind of feminine tattoo. Yeah. No offense to no offense, no offense. There's just certain parts of your body that if you're a guy, you shouldn't tattoo. Yeah, I had a friend of mine in high school that I got true love weights tattooed on his foot. Wow. And then he didn't wait. Even that, wow. isn't that incredible? Like that doesn't that just define the purity movement? It's, I wouldn't call it funny, but like <laughs> oh, it's wow. funny. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> True love waits on his foot. All right. So, uh, what's the most difficult or difficult part of your job, Thomas, as a pastor? All right. So I'm gonna come at this, and it looks like you are too, from from two different angles, from a corporate angle and then from a personal angle. Mm-hmm. And so, corporately in the body of Christ, I think the most difficult part of my job is leading leaders. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is, um, if I, if I am if I am working. 24-7 towards discerning God's direction for us as a yeah. church, studying the scriptures, I mean, and just endeavoring into study, into prayer, into seeking, working with staff or doing the same thing. Um, and then I have to step into a room with leaders on once a month or sometimes more often than that and lead them to accept that same vision that we've been working on 24-7 and living and breathing 24-7. So it's a, a lot of it comes down to persuasion. Yeah. And a lot of it comes down to basically trying to lay out a path for people to understand that in, a, in an hour, hour and a half time frame. And that's really hard. Yes. Especially when you've got a deacon team or body that's like 30 members large. Yeah. Um, and then you, you have to try to think of all the angles people are going to hear something from how they're going to be impacted by that, what their influences are going to be, how yeah. it's going to color things. Uh, it's re- That's probably the most difficult part, um, you know, which is why I think some churches um, who have transitioned to, to different types of leadership have seen the ability to move quicker, Yeah, um, which makes them more nimble and agile in kingdom work, which mm-hmm. also enables them oftentimes to be more quickly effective and efficient at what they do. Yeah. And I think that that is a, th- so, so because we are not right that right now, I think that's probably the most difficult part. I'm, I wouldn't say I, I, it impacts my emotional connection to the church, but it's definitely a difficult part of the job. Yes. Um, and, and knowing that coming in, yeah. you know, without that in. my previous church had moved from a deacon based leadership team to an elder base. And so um, to step into what I knew was a deacon strong leadership base here, um, I knew that coming in, had conversations with the search committee even about that um, because they brought it up, seeing things in my resume. And so um, I think that while it is the most difficult part about leading corporately, I think that it's not something I'm surprised by. And it's not something I think is bad. It's yeah. just just more difficult than it, than it necessarily is in other churches or other environments. For sure. So second part of that real yeah. quick. The personal side is is running to Jesus. Yeah, uh, I think anybody that 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 sees themselves or wants to become a strong leader has to continually be reminded as believers, um, our leadership starts with submitting to Jesus, and um, that that's the hardest part there on the personal side is stopping, slowing down, purposely setting aside time to and thoughts and and taking everything to the Lord. Yes. So. For me, um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with a different angle a little bit than you. You said leading leaders. I'm gonna say just leading people in general. Yeah. Because so many times, for me, just leading people, man, hurt people hurt people. You know sure. what I'm saying? Yeah. 
And so um, there have been times where I've hurt people because I was hurt. And there's been time where I've been hurt by people that I love dearly. Yeah. You know, and, and that's been one thing for me in ministry, just being transparent. It's one of the hardest things is developing those relationships because trying to find the depth and, and, and trust in those things because sometimes you can get hurt in ministry, especially in ministerial friendships, because yeah. ultimately some people just view you as just, just a pastor and you're replaceable. You're the hired staff. Yeah, you're hired staff, you know, um, and not as like a real person behind that. And so, and then just leading people, like you said, to, to, to see the vision that God has laid on your heart and to move towards that. Um, for me, the second thing is, is to finding time to spend with a Jesus that isn't work related. And, and, and that sounds crazy, but there's so many times where, you know, I'm, I'm reading the scriptures for work and I'm trying to prepare sermons and I'm preparing, you know, reading scriptures with students when I'm counseling them or counseling in a counseling situation or anything like that and trying to find time to spend with Jesus. That's not related to that. And one of the best things Michael Bozeman told me this when I was like early on in ministry, reading for a sermon prep is not devotional spending time with Jesus reading. Sure. It can be, and it should be, it really should be. But that's not the same thing as like, you know, laboring through a text with Jesus, you know, praying, seeking his presence and those things. And so now to sh- now that I know that distinction, trying to make that happen, it's very difficult. Yeah, sure. And so next question, what is one tip that you give the listener about personal study of the Bible? We did this one last week. I think everybody liked it. So let's go from there. Yeah. So my first tip to most people that are just getting started studying the Bible um I usually give them one or two directions. One direction, if you like to have a rigid kind of plan, which you're going to talk about reading Mm -hmm. plans in a minute, but if you like to have a plan that kind of helps you move through something, I think one of the things that that I jumped into early on that was really helpful for me, and I still do it, is reading one proverb a day and reading five psalms a day. That's good. Even better if you can divide those up, like one proverb and psalm in the morning Mm -hmm. and then read an additional psalm at a different time of day until you get all through all five. Like maybe right before midday, mid-lunch, I mean mid-morning. Uh, lunchtime, mid-afternoon, one evening. Yeah. Um, but here's what you do. So Proverbs, if you read one proverb a day for 31 days, you've read them all. And if you read five Psalms a day for 30 days, you've read them all. You've read them all. And so I read Psalm 1, I add 30 to it, 31, 61, 91, 121. Nice. Then I read 2, Psalm 32, 62, 92, so on. And so you get through. The hard days are like on the, uh, was it the 19th day of the month? That's probably one of the hardest yeah. days. Or not 19. I mean, you get to Psalm 119 and you're reading like 70 verses. But, I mean, it's not undoable. You can no, it's it. not undoable. It's yeah. just kind of go against one of my core principles of, you know, like smaller chunks. No, it's good. But at the same time, I think that that's a good way to systematic system, systematically work through the text. Well, the truth is, the truth is, I'm always going yeah. to be focused on one psalm over the others of where I am that God speaks to me in different yes. in, in a heavy way. Yeah. And so, the, what I find though by doing psalms and proverbs is I get a little bit extra wisdom for my daily living, which is always needed and and, and appreciated. And then on the the psalms, my heart is usually led to much more worship That's than awesome. I would be otherwise. Yeah, I dig yeah. that. For me, I'm going to kind of, this is not to contradict Thomas in any way, but <laughs> I am I fall victim to this, especially beginning of the year, new year. Like, I'm always like, I'm going to do this reading plan, you know, and then yeah. like I fall off the wagon and I beat myself up about it, sure. you know. Um, reading plans are great, but they're not scripture, you know. And so these people, like they've come up with, Ligonier has the best reading plans. I'm going to go ahead and on a limb and say that they have the best reading plans to get to the Bible to get through the Psalms, get through What's Matthew. the fastest one? Uh, the, the Psalms and thir- uh, the, the entire Bible in 30 days, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to be a like, crazy man and like do that, I just, I'm going to be really, I don't know how you can do it. Like, you have to be the most disciplined person on the planet. 
And, um, yeah, I mean, but this is just it. Like, I think that for me, I think like having a rigid plan is good if that's who you are as a person. Does it make sense? For me, I'm not a rigid plan person. All right. Like I like, I like rigid plans, but when it comes to like reading the Bible, that's not the way I approach it. I approach the text, especially with like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to work through the gospel of Matthew this next month. And I'm just going to just work at it just bit by bit and go through it and just get through Matthew. If it takes me more than a month, then it takes me more than a month. I'm going to work through Psalms in two months and just do those things. For me, that works better. For you, a rigid reading plan may work. But the thing is, is that the reading plan is not the Bible. It gives you a tip on how to read the Bible, but it's not the Bible. So if that's what you want to do, go for it. If it's not, then man, pick a book of the Bible and just work through it. One verse at a time, a couple verses at a time, one chapter at a time. Whatever works best for you, do it. Does that make sense, Thomas? Is that good? Okay, sweet. I get it. I would just say, like, uh, even with the one I just said is a a list, same idea. Yeah. If I miss a day with everything, I don't go back and reread all those. I just jump back in where I am. I know I'm going to hit that every 30 days. So, like, I'm good, you know? Yeah. I, don't, I think being tied to something that becomes king is not a good idea. For exactly. Yeah. And so that's really where I'm getting at. So so what's a book you would like to recommend? And these are tied to our topic today. So Yeah, so um, my book is Daniel Hill is the author of it. It's called White Awake. White Awake by Daniel Hill. Um, it's, a, it's a good book uh, from the perspective of a guy. It's a white guy who's trying to um, – he becomes kind of awakened to this idea that He's got this problem of being a white supremacist. In fact, I mean, this is part of what probably influenced my language for Sunday a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't mean that in a bad way in the sense of like, I'm a Ku Klux Klan guy. He just means of seeing the world through a white lens that is always supremely over everything else. And so um, really good little book. Uh, I would say that some people wouldn't like it, but um, you got to read it for what it's for. And uh, it's just a guy that was on staff at uh, a large church when it's all started going down for him. And then uh, he just got some really cool insights about how to actually become more aware of and try to work toward um, reconciliation for uh, people, especially to the Lord. So I'm going to, so I I just got on Amazon to try to see how many pages my book was. And there's one thing I'm going to recommend, another thing on top of this, that you have access to through Right Now Media. All right. And so I'm going to mention my book first. It's Advocates by Dottie Lewis. Um, it's a kind of a study. Of, Dottie is D-H-A-T-I. Yeah, yeah, Dottie. He's a pastor of um, Blueprint Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, prominent black Southern Baptist uh, pastor. Um, he does this, kind of takes the book of uh, Philemon and breaks it down as a point of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. A slave who runs away from his master and how Paul pleads on Philemon's behalf to, um, is it Anisimus? Is that, is that? Anisimus. Yeah, Anisimus. Um, on his behalf to reconcile this, this relationship that was broken because of sin. And so, and then uses that from a racial perspective, you know, not, not reading into the text because, I mean, he's a phenomenal exegete, but at the same time, taking this and just learning how to be an advocate, you know, for reconciliation. Phenomenal book. He actually tackles uh, the woke theology of, yeah. that's popular today and yeah. says, listen, like, are you, are you really woke or is that just a trend for you? Like, sure. you know, and I'm like, man, that's good. The other one is this, and I found this, I found this guy on Twitter, all right? And then I found out that there's an entire series on Route Now Media about this, The Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. It is incredible. It's literally like a historical, um, like a historical look at the American church's complicity in racism throughout all of history. Dives into the Birmingham church bombings 
and all these different things. It's super, super, super rich. And it's also from an African-American's perspective. Did I agree with everything I walked away with? No. But that's how you grow as a person is to absorb media from all different angles and these things. So you have, if you're a church member, you have access to this on Right Now Media. When you put the kids down, watch it. I would highly encourage you to. It's him teaching through it. It's phenomenal, um, and it ties to our topic today, which we're going to start doing something different with this series, uh, moving into our discussion about our topic. So with this series, Elephant in the Room, which I think everybody loved the trailer, by the way. Yeah, it was I think, really good. Dude, everybody's that, talking about I, it. I'm going to be honest with you. I was kind of, I was kind of upset. Because everybody was like laughing about the trailer. Like, they're like, oh, that's so funny. Oh, that's so funny. And I, me and Luke were like, we didn't mean that to be funny. It's funny, though. I, I didn't mean it to be funny, though. It is funny. I was kind of triggered by it. You have an elephant walking through the room. I'm just kidding, dude. I wasn't triggered yeah. by it. But at the same time, I was kind of <laughs> shocked by it. I was kind of like, I didn't mean that to be funny, but that's awesome. So anyway, I mean, it, it turned out perfect. Um, really capture. And that, in my opinion, kind of lightly pushes this very intense series, you know, to our people. Um, with Elephant in the Room, we're going to be talking about, uh, how, this is five weeks, six weeks series, five weeks? Five weeks. Five weeks series. So over the next five weeks, we're going to be tackling different hot topics. So every, we're going to try to push this out on Mondays, probably Monday afternoon, Monday evenings. We're going to try to push out a kind of after the service podcast, reviewing what was talked about the day before. Um, we're going to try to do this every week. So try to hold us accountable to that. And yeah. So, and if you yeah. have questions for follow-up about this, you need to text or email Thomas and, and or Tyler. And uh, that way we can address these things specifically with your questions even. Yeah. So that'd be a good way to follow up as well. We're going to push that out through social media and through the communion app. Yeah. And I think that we can do that. I think this could help us even further the conversation even deeper on these very hard hitting topics. So yesterday Thomas preached on our supremacy problem. Wasn't his best sermon, but. I'm kidding, dude. It was awesome. <laughs> <Such a> jerk. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, and we've had a lot of people commented on it, and um, I think it was something that really impacted a lot of people. So I'm excited about how it's going so far in yeah. this series. Yeah. And, and and the main point we walked away with yesterday was we have a supremacy problem, but how can we move forward in that supremacy problem by admitting that we have a supremacy problem and realizing that Jesus is the only supreme one who we submit to, and then in yeah. Jesus pursue reconciliation through our supremacy problems that we have. Yeah. And so um, let's just move through this kind of like, you know, working through some extra things about the sermon that, you know, that maybe you didn't dive into or anything like that. So like the first thing when you talk about is individually, as we like, and this, that's one thing I love about Thomas's sermon yesterday. I mean, I've talked about this beforehand, you know, even about approaching this podcast. It was very individual. You have a supremacy problem. Not we as a corporate body have it. You do. And, and well, I mean, we did yeah, talk about yeah, that Yeah, part yeah I mean, too, we, there was a corporate yeah, part, but yeah. I mean, there was an individual, a very heavy-handed individual aspect of me examining my heart in the sound booth going, okay, man, like, man, I do have this. Like, I mean, just seeing this and then using the text to really prove that, like, you know, showing Peter. Yeah. Like, I mean, and then just going, I mean, I loved when you went through, even through the Old Testament and showing, like, you know, Jonah. Yeah. All these different people that we like, you know, look at and revere as heroes. Yeah. They had the same issues that we do. Yeah. And so how do you see this inside our society, especially as believers? Like, you know, like what's one of the things that you want to point out, Thomas? How do I see this in the society as believers? Yeah. Like, 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 like how can we approach this in our society as believers? Like, how do we move forward after yesterday's sermon? Yeah. Monday morning. Where do we go from here? Well, I think I think the biggest thing we hit on it yesterday was is prayer. I mean, we need to pray and ask the Lord to reveal our blind spots. Yeah, because we don't see it in ourselves, or we would not do it most likely. E- either, if you see it in yourself and do nothing about it, then you think it's okay. 
Yeah, which and is a whole other issue. And doesn't that James say something about that? Yeah, like yeah. yeah, Dave, you know the right thing, you don't do it. Is that James or John? Both say something. I think about they both it, say similar. You're talking yeah. about James. Yeah. And I and, and here's where I would I would say I think first with prayer, and then I think you you need to begin to disengage from some of the media that's impacting you, which we're going to talk about in a second. Yes. And you need to engage with real people that God has placed around you. Yes. So that those are two of the things that will help you to see where you are and what you can do Mm -hmm. in your given environment. For sure. And I think that one thing that like we need to see is, and you wrote this down in our notes, you were blind, but how do you see? Like, what do you mean by that? Like flesh that out for us. Yeah. I mean, so when you're blind, you don't know what all you're blind to. And then all of a sudden, let's take a story from the Bible, right? Jesus heals a blind man. Yeah. Well, he didn't know what all he was blind from, but then he starts to see. He probably doesn't notice everything about new sight at first. Yeah. So later on, as, as time goes on, he's getting more and more and more things that he sees. You know, you don't notice the mountains that are 20 miles away the first time you look. You're looking at everything else up close, right? Yes. So I think that the real issue is we might have been awakened a little bit to the truth that we are, in essence, white supremacists in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the sense politically, right? Just make sure we're clear for those that haven't listened to the sermon, um, but that we look at things through that way and, and, and really that it, we are supreme in and of ourselves and in any relationship that I'm the supreme being, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact of the matter is, how do we get to the point where we can actually see that where we don't see the things we need to be aware of we don't see? Yeah. And so I think it's praying, being around other people that are different from you, Asking for people to give you input. I try to build relationships with people and they're different than me and say, hey, where am I blind to how I am not being aware of things? What are some things that you think I need to be aware of to yeah. be able to function correctly in the world and not just come from a me-centric standpoint? You know, I, th- I think that's one thing. Like, and You can actually go back and find this on our Facebook page and even on the podcast, our uh, conversation with Ty Dillon. Yeah. You know, which we're trying to figure out time to get Ty back on the podcast. Yeah, we had it lined up for last week and he had to cancel. So, and so, yeah, we'll line it up. Ty's a good friend of ours. But I think that that was one thing that, you know, I really appreciated about you, Thomas, that you said that you're a recovering white supremacist. That, you know, I think I said a recovering recovering racist. racist. There you go. Recovering racist. That's even better. And I think that, like, in like in hearing that like knowing those things that's yeah. the best way to move forward because that is how you see those blind spots sure you know um it kind of reminds me of like what everything you just said or like the allegory of the cave like with like plato you know like with the, the yeah. prisoners in the cave and they think that they're seeing these things yeah but then one escapes and sees the truth and when he goes back to help the other two prisoners they get ticked off at him like you can't set us free like you know yeah, yeah, yeah. i think that a lot of ways that's kind of what we're going through right now as a society yeah. Yeah. um is that, you know, so many times we get so trapped in, you know, what how things have always been. Well, this is what I see. Yeah. Instead of seeking out other viewpoints, talking to people of other races, of other socioeconomic classes and anything like that. Because that was one thing I really, I loved about the sermon yesterday. Was it wasn't just like racial supremacy. It was all supremacy. Yeah. It was seeing others as lesser than, yep. you know, seeing others as lesser than. And, and, and not just approaching it from a racial standpoint, but from a socioeconomic standpoint, from all these things. Because... I was raised in a very, you know, mixed culture. I mean, like, I, I'd never really had racial issues in my heart, just being real with you. Yeah. I mean, there's been times where, like, that's crept up, you know, and I'm sure. like, no, no, heck no, like, get, like, kill that. But socioeconomic, 100%. Sure. Like, you know, I see that in my heart, and I'm like, man, like, how can I kill that? And you approached that yesterday, and I thought that was awesome. Uh, so earlier you mentioned this, 
limiting your intake of media, and I love how you wrote how you wrote the submitting to the yoke of media slavery, the politi- the politi- say the word I can't stink it. Politicization of supremacy. I feel like Nemo. Even though that part was your idea, you can't say it. I had a hard day. It, it reminds me of Nemo, like a ninnaminnaminnami, a ninnaminnaminnami, a ninnaminnaminnami, you know. And I'm like, gosh. Yeah, but that's the truth of it, man. We we submit to the yoke of media slavery. So I don't have cable, and I haven't. I'm not. That's not a, a band on my shoulder. I don't have I cable, that, but right? I stream, bro. Yeah, we stream. You I'm know, a cable so, cutter. But I've got a Roku, and so I can't watch Fox. Let's say if I want to watch Fox or CNN, but I can watch like clips. Yes. And so I've made it funny. I think I mentioned on here before that every morning when my son John Thomas wakes up, he's one of the first risers in the house. He runs into the living room and like if we're reading or, or have the TV on, even trying to catch news, if we don't have it on, he runs in and he says, hey, dad, can we see if the world's blowing up? Or, hey, dad, can we see if the world's on fire? Those are the phrasings I use. I sit down and go, hey, guys, give me the remote. We're going to turn it on for a minute and we're going to see if the world's on fire or we're going to see if the world's blowing up. Otherwise, I don't care. I'm turning it off. Yeah. You know? And so I think that's the thing is if we could just look at media in that sense, you've said it before, when, when media went to a 24-hour news cycle, it changed everything. Oh, dude. And, and like, not going to dive into the, the mess of the, that was the debate the other night. Don't even go there, political yeah, sides. Right but real talk, I, I showed Ryan this. I, I purposefully watched the debate on CNN. Purposefully. I said, yeah, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it on CNN. Afterwards, watching CNN, they were like, just and, and like, listen to the review of the debate, you know, and it was all like, and I'm just going to be real with you. It was kind of like, man, well, Biden showed up and did decent, but man, Trump was all blah, 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 you know, so just anti-Trump. Yeah. I flipped over to Fox. Sean Hannity was talking about how, like, Donald Trump walked into the lion's cave and came out with, like, a pelt of a lion over his shoulder. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is the issue. It is the issue. That the media has become politicized. And so words like white supremacy, yeah. black lives matter, all of these things have become politicized issues. Yes. And so then we approach them from a political lens. You view them from your respective political viewpoint instead of, as believers, how we're supposed to view this, through a Christian, scriptural-based lens. Yep. And so instead of walking in, looking at it from your you know, liberal left-wing or your conservative right-wing viewpoint, as believers, I would highly encourage you, wake up in the morning and look at this through a Christian worldview. I would highly suggest one of the things I like to do in the mornings. Uh, I, one day Brooks is going to be able to quote this for me. Listen to the briefing by Al Mohler. Yeah, I love the briefing from Al Mohler. It's just it's news from a Christian worldview. Yeah, and 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 that's my kind of my news intake for the day. And I've I, I used I was a, a couple weeks ago. Me and you talked about like how I get my news off Twitter. I've got to get off Twitter, man. I, I'm, this is my confession to y'all. I'm limiting my Twitter intake because today I, a guy a, a guy from the media literally said this. I felt safer in North Korea than I do in the White House right now. He said that. And I'm like, man, if you'd have tweeted that North Korea, you'd be dead. Yeah, dude. Like, like you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yeah, man. but, and, and so like Twitter thinks the world's on fire. Facebook thinks the world's on fire. Well, that's how you and sell, that's how you sell, sell, sell information yes. to get money. Yeah. You know, and that's the real problem, right? So we've taken these ideas about BLM or, you know, the alt-right or whatever you want to use. Yeah. And those, those, those ideas have been ex- made extreme and more extreme and more extreme and pitted one another against each other so that, they can sell whatever they want to sell yes. to make money because it's a capitalistic endeavor. Yes. I get it. But the problem is that for us, 
as believers, we submit ourselves to the yoke of slavery, which is that. And therefore, we are not only influenced, we are indoctrinated into whatever side we're listening to. And then we become people that hate the other side. Yeah. And it just happens to be that when it comes to the riots that are going on, it comes to all the, the political jungle right now, that also segregates us, intentional self-segregation from people that are different from us, whether it be white, yellow, brown, red, blue, or whether it be Christian, non-Christian. We, we, and we dump it all together and we then say that if you're a Christian, you're red, white. You know, if you're, if you're Democrat, you're non-Christian, left, liberal, blue. Yeah. You know, and, and so we, 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 we've got to get out of that. And the only way to get out of that is to cut some of it off. Um, Don't submit yourself to be enslaved to anyone. The, the Bible says that the one who, to whom you enslave yourself is the, is the, the one to whom you are, you're owned by, that you are. You become that. And so why would we submit ourselves to that? Do you want to take some news media in? Yeah, take it in. Is it on your TV at the, all the time? Is it what you begin your day with, end your day with, or check in the middle? I mean, those things are, are things that should make you very aware of like, okay, if I'm really going to become less of a racist, no matter who you are, I've got to stop taking in information from people that have not my best interest in mind, especially as a Christian. Mm-hmm. And, and that means very limited, lim- very limited influence from media. Yeah. And I, I always, there's this, there's this podcast episode. It's this cultural moment. I'll try to find it and mention it next week. So you guys can go back and listen to it. But they talk about like the, the influence of like, just, it's this global effect of how like there was like this, there was this Russian troll farm that organized two protests in this Texas town, like a pro-Muslim protest and an anti-Muslim protest. And they, pro, they, they, they organized it across the street on purpose, and they traced it back to this like, one Russian, like, and a troll farm is like where all these like, Russian hackers are all yeah. in one room, and they're saying, okay, how can we mess with the United States? Yeah. And they organized this, and there was this racial riot that broke out in this small little town in Texas that was caused by in Russia. That's how controlled we are by the media. Yep. And so I think that one of the things that I've like really made it a point to do, don't look at my phone first thing in the morning. Yeah. Don't turn on the TV first thing in the morning. Dive into the Word. Yep. Dive the into thing. the Word. We're all connected with smartphones mm-hmm. and smartwatches and internet and Google in our house or whoever, Alexa. Mm-hmm. If the world's really on fire, we're going to hear about it. Oh, yeah. You know I, what I'm saying? Yeah. None of us are that disconnected. Mm-mm. So why, why not take a moment and, and just take it back and own it, man. Just take yep. our lives back and own it in the sense of, I'm not going to, this person influenced me by watching them 24-7. Nobody would do that, man. Are you going to watch MTV in the 90s, watch MTV 24-7 and not be influenced by it? Of yeah. course you were. You were, yeah. You know, so it's the same with news media. And their agenda is not for your best interest. Their agenda is to make money. Yes, that's Period, it. It's, it's capitalism and not good capitalism. Yeah. And so, because I'm a capitalist, but not not that way. Sure. And so, not trying to prey on people. Yeah. So the last thing is this, especially with our supremacy problem, limiting our media intake to pursue this reconciliation. Reconciliation yeah. is the ultimate goal of realizing our supremacy problem. So as we clo- come to a close of this podcast, what do you got to say about that, Thomas? Like reconciliation. Yeah. So I would say that I mean, racial reconciliation is important. The reason as a Christian, I think racial reconciliation is important. Is I think doing the right thing is important. Yes. So I think trying to, I'm I'm not here, I can't reconcile racial differences for the entire world in my own person, in my own environment. Mm -hmm. But what I can do is do my best to to become reconciled with my race problems that I have um, and and to become reconciled with others so that I can take them to a spiritual reconciliation. I, I can't lead people to Jesus that I hate in my heart. 
Yeah. I can't lead people to Jesus that I'm afraid of because of their skin color or socioeconomic status. I can't lead people to Jesus that won't listen to me because I'm a, I'm a jack leg person that looks at them like they're lesser than me or speaks to them in that way. Yeah. I, I, it just will not happen. What I will do is speak condescendingly to somebody that will never listen to me about somebody that they need to know about who is Jesus. So Who's the really, only person that matters. Yeah. If I want to take, if I want to take somebody to Jesus, I've got to be more humbled and not necessarily because I have myself, but because I learn and grow and I'm humbled because I recognize the depth of my sin and how it impacts so much of me that I'm still unaware of. Yeah. And, and, and that that's going to lead me to reconciliation spiritually, which will help me to lead others that way. And that will also include me becoming more reconciled racially with other people. Yes. You know, even pastorally speaking, there was a, there's a pastor that me and you were influenced by. He his Twitter bio used to be, you know, just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody. Yeah. We have always said is I am nobody telling everybody about somebody that can change anybody. Yeah, and that's yeah. good. You know, and, and yeah. but the thing is is that if you treat somebody as lesser than you, yes. They don't care what you have to say about the that somebody. The problem is we don't recognize we're treating people lesser. No, we don't We no, don't we recognize don't. that our mm-hmm. language is doing that. No. If you walk in this and you're talking to somebody and say, "You know what? The real problem you have is you need Jesus." You may mean that as in like, I see where your issue is. If you just had Jesus, you fought. But when they hear that, they're going to say, oh, you think you have the right to tell me what my problem is? Yeah. You know, the real issue is then if you're somebody has an issue, you go, man, do I have that issue? Yeah, I do. You can say, man, I've had, I've had the same struggle as you're having, and I don't know how to overcome them totally, but I know what sustained me in all this is Jesus. Yeah. That's a very different way of That's talking about That's a completely different way. And yeah. I um I was listening to uh, Patrick Schreiner talk about his dad, Tom. And, uh, yeah, his he's w- one of the greatest... Yeah conservative theologians in the world today yeah and 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 a phenomenal evangelist because patrick says that one of the things that his dad does especially about genuine interest in people is ask good questions yes because asking good questions can reveal something about them but can also reveal something about you yeah even in your own heart when they tell you about something that they're going through or something they've experienced you may go i've never realized that you've experienced that or i've never experienced that or anything in those lights um I'll never forget John Piper talking about, you know, interracial marriage, which is a huge topic in this area. You know, Um, he said this and it just blew my mind as like an 18 year old kid. He said, listen, if you care more about the skin color of your child's spouse over their salvation, you may not be saved. Yep. And I'm like, oh, snap. But the thing is, is that man, like that's just that's one of the things that you mentioned earlier. You were blind. But how do you see? You, like, like the, the scale still fell off in that area. Yeah. And so especially surrounding yourself, and Thomas mentioned this earlier, surrounding yourself with people from other walks of life, other cultures, other races, other socioeconomic statuses will help reveal to you your blind spots yep. because they're going to help because you're going to just get to know them and they're going to help show you those just through conversations and asking good questions. The only way we're going to reach the people that are not like us is by spending time with people that are not like us. Yes. And if we don't do that, then we're saying it really doesn't matter what happens to them. Yep. Solid. Are we going to be that church? I hope not. It's my prayer that we won't be. I'm asking God to change that about me and about us. And I, and if he does that, we will we will become a force for the kingdom that we never imagined. Um, and we're going to close on that because we'll become the church that Jesus intended, right? Yeah, man. And so, yeah, yeah. well, y'all, thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode of the ReChurch Podcast. I'm literally about to get off here and upload this immediately. And so be looking for it on Mondays following our sermon, our Sunday morning sermons. And then we'll also have some other topics that we'll throw in there, here and there. And so uh, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the ReChurch Podcast. Peace out.